Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to join us for the program. Not just being limited to those who are Jews, but to all people of every tribe, every nation, every language, every skin colour. You can't do much or go far these days without filling out a whole lot of forms. Either on paper or online, there are processes that need to be followed, checklists that need to be completed. In the New Testament of the Bible, some of the religious leaders, among others, were trying to enforce the same idea, that to be able to have the gospel, you have to check all the boxes, follow the processes. But they were wrong. We'll find out as we join Dr Corbett now, the gospel is for everyone. Settle in and get comfortable as we continue in the series, Freedom in Christ, tonight, the truth of the gospel. We're continuing through the series of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. I just remind you that this epistle was one of the earliest that the Apostle Paul wrote, possibly one of the earliest of the New Testament documents itself. So what we have here is a very early understanding of what the gospel meant. There are some critics of the Bible that claim that Christianity really didn't develop until the second century. That is long after the original apostles had died and so myth merged into legend and legend developed into this pseudo-pagan kind of understanding of who Jesus was and those people who are called liberal theologians, that is, they deny the supernatural. They often claim that such things as the resurrection of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus and those kinds of things didn't actually happen. They became myths and legends that developed into the second century. But we have really good reason now for seeing that this epistle, which most scholars now regard as having been written somewhere around AD 45, is one of the earliest New Testament documents. That's why this is so important. And it's so important because of the content that Paul has in here that really spells out what the message of the earliest church was, which was faithful to what Jesus Christ himself had given his disciples. So let's pray. Let's open our hearts as we pray and ask God to speak to us now. Father, I pray, Lord, firstly, that you help me. Help me to share the truth of your word. I don't want to put anything into your word that you haven't already put there. And God, I pray that you would give those who join with me now, whether they are joining with me over the internet live or whether they're joining with me via radio, whether they're listening via podcast, however it is that people are listening now, I pray not only would they listen, but they would hear. And that they would hear with that set of ears that you've given to every human being, that set of ears that is non-physical, non-material, yet able to hear what the voice of your spirit says through your word. So now, Father, I pray, as we open your word, give us ears to hear. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share something with you from one of my favorite New Testament scholars. Uh, this is from uh, N.T. Wright. And when N.T. Wright writes for a popular audience, and, and you, you might be wondering, what, what do I mean a popular audience? Does anyone not want to be popular? No, what I'm doing there is I'm distinguishing between when N.T. Wright 
writes for an academic audience or people who do such really weird nerdy things like read the Bible in its original languages, those people, he, he can do that and he does it really, really well. But he also has a pastoral heart to be able to take the complexity of God's word and just to put it in really simple language. And it's that that I want to draw on now because he has this marvellous, just incredible ability to be able to take these really complex things and put them into incredibly simple language. In his book, Paul for Everyone, where he writes about Galatians and Thessalonians, he, had this, he has this remarkable insight where he talks about the analogy of uh, South Africa during the apartheid regime, where somebody comes in during the apartheid regime and says to a community, we're going to build, a, somebody comes in and says, we're going to build a building. Here's the plans for it. It's going to be a building where it doesn't matter if you're black or white or brown, doesn't matter what country you're from, it doesn't matter at all. You're all welcome. This will be our community building. This will be the building where we meet together, we eat together, we talk together, and we can just be one family. <laughs> and this, was, this is how Tom Wright puts it, that that builder, that designer came. He left the plans for that building to be built and then he was called away. And when he was called away, other builders came in and saw the plans and changed it radically. It only had one door, one entrance. But these builders said, no, that will never do. <laughs> this building needs two entrances, one for whites and one for everyone else. And then when you come into this building, you can't all come into the same room. That would be ridiculous. This building has to have two rooms, <laughs> so, one for the whites, one for everyone else. And you can imagine the original builder and designer coming back and seeing what on earth have you done to my building and my design for this building. And Tom Wright says, this is pretty much the sentiment that we're reading behind Paul's writing to the Galatians. In other words, Paul had given them a building and a to be built that had one door and everyone was welcome to enter through it. And they didn't go into two rooms. They went into one room where they could be together. And this was the building that the Apostle Paul left the designs for the Galatians to build. But something happened and quite possibly we get a hint in this text that we're going to look at now in Galatians chapter 2 that these were messengers from James the apostle James not the original apostle James but the half-brother of Jesus who essentially became the leader of the Jerusalem church and without perhaps without the the benefit of following his own brother, as we see from the Gospel of John, as we've just gone through the Gospel of John, where we see that it was James who, who scoffed at his own brother. But what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 is that when the resurrected Christ 
began to appear to people, he went out of his way to appear to his brother James. <laughs> it's quite a beautiful thing that we read there. But James had a bit of catching up to do. And one of the things that it seems like he misunderstood from the outset was that he, he thought that in order to become a follower of Christ, you had to retain your Jewishness, that is, your religious Jewishness. And if you were a Gentile, that is, someone who was not a Christian, you had to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. This became known as the, the, the people who promoted this idea became known as Judaizers from the word Judaism. In other words, in order to become a Christian, you had to first become a Jew, men, that meant you had to be circumcised, women, that meant you had to wear the head veil and you had to do all the other things that Jewish women are expected to do in order to become a Christian. And when Paul heard that this is what was happening, he wrote Galatians. And we're going to see Paul has continued to use some really strong language here to describe his incredible anger at what these people had done. And we're not told that they were necessarily from James, but there is a strong hint that that, that, that is the case. So what we have here in Galatians chapter 2 is a statement that the, the Galatians would have read and it would have, would have set, really set the record straight. And we're going to see in this first section of Galatians, Paul's you can if you, touch, if you touch the Bible right now, you'll feel how hot it is because he is fuming. He's really angry at the distortion of the gospel that these people had done. So we're going to read here that originally the Apostle Paul is retelling that he had gone up to Jerusalem again. We've already read in the first chapter that he had gone there privately and originally he had met with both James and the Apostle Peter. That was the original description of his visit to Jerusalem that we've already read. So now let's come. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1. We pick it up. And Paul says this, Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Now, the point there of him pointing this out is, firstly, Barnabas was a Levite. Barnabas was actually his nickname, of course. His name was Joseph. He was from the tribe of Levi. And Titus was a Gentile. Now, if he's going to tell the Galatians that he, he took with him Titus, a Gentile, to meet, as we'll see in a moment, James. If you had to become a Jew, then surely James would have pointed out to Paul, hey, Paul, just have a word with you for a moment. This guy that you're traveling with, he's a Gentile. Haven't you told him he has to become a Jew first? Now, that didn't happen. So this is the point. So we read in verse 2, I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So here we have Paul. He's telling the Galatians, I met with 
the very people that claim that they are representing James, uh, the very people that claim that I'm not one of the original apostles, I don't know the true gospel. I met with these people and I met with them because Jesus Christ had spoken to me. Jesus Christ had given me a revelation. Jesus Christ had told me, shared with me, this is the truth that I want you to proclaim. And then he has been sent up by revelation. In other words, it sounds like the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be a really strong emphasis through Paul's epistle to the Galatians, the interaction of the Holy Spirit in both the founding of Christianity, the promotion or the furthering of Christianity, and the life of the Christian. That is, that the Holy Spirit plays an active role in that. Now, here we have Paul saying, I went up because of a revelation. I went up to Jerusalem. In other words, I was sent by the Holy Spirit. And here we have Paul saying that he met with what he calls the pillars of the church, including James, the half-brother of Jesus. And what does he do? He says that he shared with them the very gospel that he was preaching. So you Galatians who've been told by people that I wasn't one of the original apostles, therefore what do I know? You who have been told by these false brothers, Paul calls them, who have come in and said, Paul hasn't given you the whole truth. Paul has just told you what you want to hear because he doesn't want to tell you what you really need to hear. And that is you men, you have to be circumcised. You women, you have to start keeping all the, all the observances of the law in order to qualify to become a Christian. Now, here's Paul saying, well, I, you know what? I actually went to James. I was right there face to face with James and Peter and John, the three pillars of the church, and I shared with them the very gospel that I preached to you. Now, some scholars who believe it may not have been that Paul had a direct revelation, that is, it may not have been that the Spirit of God said, go to Jerusalem. It may have been by an indirect means, that is, by the word of a prophet. Well, we have some, we have some warrant for believing that. We see that Agabus the prophet did indeed direct Paul at times, it seems. We read about that in Acts chapter 11 and so on. And, and here we have this, this whole thing, no matter how it happened, it was, it was appointed by the Holy Spirit. And this gives us a clue as to the kind of Christianity that was being experienced in the first few decades after the resurrection of Christ. It was a highly Holy Spirit-saturated, Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-filled Christian experience. But he wants the Galatians to know this. He wants them to know that he met with these pillars of the church. Verse 3. But even Titus, I've already told you he was a Gentile, that is not a Jew, even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Paul says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. 
Verse 6. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. So this tells us that Paul was not intimidated by these people at all because he is so confident that what he shared with them was exactly what Christ wanted him to share. And we today, here in our church and in churches all around our city, all around our state and all around our country, there are still faithful ministers of that gospel. That gospel that says it's not what you do or can do to qualify for salvation, to qualify for God to save you. You don't have to, there's nothing you can do to earn or merit or attain to the very thing that God wants to give you for free, and that is forgiveness of sin resulting in the removal of your shame, the cleansing of your guilt, a new heart with new desires so that you can live the way God wants you to live and not be in bondage to the way the enemy wants you to live. Paul says in verse 7, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, and here's the question, who entrusted that to Paul? Who entrusted that to Peter? And what Paul is saying here is that they could see that Jesus Christ himself had entrusted to me this ministry of taking the gospel to the uncircumcised, that is, non-Jews. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Verse 8, For he who worked through Peter, now I'm suggesting to you, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom Christ sent, Paul says, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Mine what? My apostolic ministry, says Paul. He's putting himself on an equal footing to Peter, James and John. The accusation was that he wasn't one of the original apostles. But here we have Paul saying, but I met with Jesus. I met him on that road. Physically, I met with Jesus and this is what he said to me. And we notice there that Jesus didn't tell Paul everything. We will see as we go through the rest of Paul's epistles that there are some things that Paul had to go and talk with Peter, James and John. And he had to get some of the details of the resurrection. He had to get some details of the burial. He had to get some details of the ascension. And so Paul will describe those events that he received from them about the, those extra details as things that he received he received those from people and when we see on the road to Damascus when Paul was blinded by the physical appearing of Christ the glorified Christ that we see that Christ said to him go to Damascus and then we see that Jesus appointed someone to go to him Ananias 
another believer. Now this should tell us, unlike those people who say, I don't need church, it's just me and Jesus. But here's Jesus saying to Ananias, go to Paul, pray for him, because the Lord tells Ananias, because I've appointed him as an apostle, someone who's going to serve me. And so what we have here very early on is Paul getting a deep appreciation for how Christ's people minister Christ to one another. That's the power of church, by the way. So for those of you who are listening to me now, watching, however you're doing, participating in this, and you think, I don't need church. I don't need to be physically present in a room with other believers. I don't need to be physically present as they sing praises to God. I don't need to be sitting in a room physically with people as the word of God is preached and taught. Can I say to you, with all the pastoral love that I have, you're being foolish. You are being foolish. You cannot think that you can get what Christ intended for your soul by simply watching a screen or listening to podcasts like this one. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening, those who are listening via radio right now. Thank you to those who are watching on YouTube, on our Facebook live stream. Thank you. But if you have the option, no matter how you feel, no matter how physically depleted you may feel, if you have the option to go and meet with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have the command of Christ to do so. Hebrews 10, 25, do not neglect to gather together. There is something about physical presence with brothers and sisters. I could go on about this, but this is how Paul's conversion to Christ was grounded when Ananias came to him. I mean, why didn't Jesus just heal him of his blindness right then? Because the grace of Christ more often than not works through another believer to another believer. That's why we pray for each other every Sunday. When we gather, we call people out just after we have partaken of the Holy Communion. And we minister the grace that is present in the Holy Communion to one another through prayer. This is so important. The Apostle Peter, of course, as Paul is talking with him, he would have known what Paul was saying. He would have known that, that he received, interestingly, he received a revelation of how the gospel that Christ was to save all people and was Lord of all the earth, he received that revelation after Christ ascended. Why didn't Jesus tell him before? In some respects, we could look back at the gospels and go, he was trying. <laughs> he was actually telling them. But they couldn't hear it. They couldn't hear it. It was when Peter was given that vision of the net being let down with all these, for what was a Jew, unclean animals and told, take up and eat. And Peter protests and he hears the voice, do not call unclean what the Lord has called clean. 
And then there's a knock at the door. Who was knocking at the door? Gentile messengers from the house of Cornelius. And Peter realised, ah, it's not just about the food laws being made obsolete. It's about the distinctiveness of what God wants to do, not just being limited to those who are Jews, but to all people of every tribe, every nation, every language, every skin colour. Christ has worked his grace all around the world as we see it today. So we, we know that Peter had this taste of what Paul was talking about. We read in verse 9. And when James and Cephas, that is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the uncircumcised. So Paul has sort of wrapped this up and he says, look, the encounter that I had with these people, the pillars of the church, these are the apostles. (laughs) These are the ones who my critics, my opponents have said, I'm not equal to. They gave me the right hand of fellowship and said, you're one of us. You have received what we have received, an apostolic call from Jesus Christ himself. And in doing so, they acknowledge that the gospel that Paul preached, because he said, I wanted to make sure that we're on the same page, that I hadn't run ahead or misunderstood anything. And they acknowledged, you haven't. You haven't run ahead. You haven't misunderstood anything. What you are preaching is the very gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to us as well. They acknowledged in front of Paul that salvation from sin, the removal of the stain of sin, which is guilt and shame, was not by race, but was by grace. The free, undeserved gift of God. It's interesting, we read in Acts 15, when the church met to discuss some of these issues collectively, because These false teachers, these false brothers who were saying to Gentiles, you have to become a Jew first. It still reached a boiling point. And the Jerusalem council, headed up by James, met to decide on whether the gospel of Paul or the gospel of the Judaizers was the gospel. And that Jerusalem council very emphatically came down on the side of the gospel of grace. That is the gospel of Paul, the gospel that Christ himself had given originally, that all nations, he had said of the temple, my father's house shall be a house for all nations. And so, interestingly, we read in verse 10 that Paul seems to reflect on this when he says, only they asked us to remember the poor the very thing i was eager to do and by the way the jerusalem council not only said remember remember the poor but also and teach them to abstain from sexual immorality now by the way those two pillars of teaching are based in the old testament and so there is some carryover 
of the moral requirements from the Old Testament into the New Covenant. So this is what we, we see from what Paul has told the Galatians in these first 10 verses of chapter 2. Firstly, Christianity is not about law-keeping in order to earn your salvation. Becoming a Christian is not about what you can do. Christianity is not because you suddenly became good enough to qualify to become a Christian. Christianity is not about law-keeping. It is simply about surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to become a Christian. The ultimate goal of being a Christian is to become someone who surrenders to God. And that word surrender is the word worship. If you want to know what the ultimate goal of being a Christian is, it is simply this. Worship Jesus. Become a worshipper of Jesus. And in so doing, it means in order to do that, you must become a follower of Jesus and love what he loves. And can I tell you, he loves the church. As flawed, as difficult as it can be, as frustrating as it can be, he loves the church. He loves the people that you struggle with. He loves you, who people struggle with. In order to be a worshipper, you become a follower of Christ. In order to be a follower of Christ and a worshipper of Christ, it ultimately means this. You become a lover of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, for those who perhaps have been trying very hard, they've been trying as hard as they can and have a sense of, I just can't seem to get it right. I keep failing. I keep doing all these things that I know I shouldn't do. May they, in this moment, have a revelation from you that it's not what they can do, it's what's been done for them. That's why Christianity is not spelt D-O. It's spelt D-O-N-E. Christ has done it all. And perhaps you're here and you're listening to me right now and you wonder, how can I be sure that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God, that if I was to die right now, I would not go into a Christless eternity and suffer the torment of that for all eternity. But I would go into the presence of Christ and enjoy him for all eternity. The answer is very simple. You are just one prayer away. You may feel like you're a million miles away from God. You may feel that God could never forgive you. God could never begin to start to rebuild your life, but that is not true. He can, and you are just one prayer away from taking that journey. That journey to you might feel like a, 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 a journey of walking 5,000 miles. But can I tell you, every journey of walking 5,000 miles begins with the first step. Take that first step from your heart. Cry out to God right now. God, reveal yourself to me. God, help me. God, I need you. God, save my soul. I want to be your child. I want to be a worshipper of Jesus. I want to follow Jesus and his plan for my life. And I want to love him and I want to love what he loves. Fill my heart with a love that I've never known before. And if you pray that prayer, I guarantee you, God has heard. 
and God will answer. And here's my offer to you. If you have prayed that prayer, contact us. Go to lagana.org. Click on the, the links there you'll see on that page. Let us know. We'll, we'll begin to help you. If, you, if we can, we, we'll connect you into a local church. I th- we just think this is so important to meet with brothers and sisters who've done the same thing, who want to help you, and we will do our best. So, Father, I pray that we might know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select Galatians Part 4 from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, Christianity is not about law keeping. It's about surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life, I encourage you to seek him out. Call on his name. Open your heart and mind to what he can show you. More from Dr. Corbett next week as we continue in Galatians. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.